Hello and welcome to the Work Well podcast. The World Health Organization has identified the workplace as a priority area for health promotion. Why then does the word work have such a negative and unhealthy connotation for so many people? Think about it. We spend so much of our adult lives at work. Why should it be in a role or in an environment that doesn't support our health and well-being? My name is Brian Crook, and I'm on a mission to make workplaces more positive places to be and to make our working day as healthy and productive as possible. Join me on the Work Well podcast as I interview workplace well-being thought leaders and industry professionals to discuss how employers, employees, and entrepreneurs can lead the way by creating and sustaining the healthy, safe, and well workplaces of the future. Hello and welcome to the final episode of season one of the Work Well podcast. I've pulled together an extra special episode this time out to celebrate the great success of the first season of the podcast. This episode was recorded live at the stunning Irish Aviation Authority Conference Centre last year as part of my Workplace Wellbeing Ireland events series. On the evening, I hosted an all-star panel which featured Kate Moran. Kate is the Culture Program Manager at HubSpot. We also had Jennifer Grogan. Jennifer manages the health and well-being research and development at the ESB. And we also had Jim Gavin. Jim is a director at the Irish Aviation Authority. And at the time of this recording, of course, Jim was also the manager of the Dublin senior football team and was hoping to lead the Dubs to a historic fifth All-Ireland title in a row. Now, spoiler alert, just in case you hadn't heard, but the Dubs did go on to win the five in a row. So this is the final episode of season one, as I mentioned, but fear not as season two is following hot on the heels. So watch this space. You can go to workwellpodcast.com to find out more and to listen back to all of our previous episodes. Now back to this episode. So we had a really great conversation at the Irish Aviation Authority Conference Center and we were discussing our theme for the evening, which was the importance of committed leadership to workplace wellness. So please enjoy my panel discussion with Jim Gavin, Kate Moran, and Jennifer Grogan. Good evening, everyone. You're all very welcome to the Workplace Wellness Ireland Meetup. And you're welcome if it's your first event, or you're welcome if it's your seventh event. So yes, it's our seventh Workplace Wellness Ireland Meetup, so I can hardly believe that myself. It's probably exactly a year ago that I set up the community online and the LinkedIn group. That's where we exist online. And it was last September we held our first event. So you're all very welcome, regardless of where you are on your journey here. And I'd really like to thank as well our wonderful hosts, uh, Brenda and Claire, and everyone at the IAA for hosting us in, in this wonderful location. So I thought I'd start out just very briefly by giving just a quick you know, background story on the community and on myself and where, where it came from. And then we'll talk just a bit of a couple of updates that have happened in the last couple of months since our last Dublin event. And then I will um, yeah, we'll get straight into the, our, our wonderful panel. So a bit of background then. Um, so I have a business called Office Worker Health. I do everything from lunch and learns to exercise classes to, to training programs, mainly for HR professionals. And during the course of my work, I encountered you know, many Irish organizations that were doing really great work in this area, you know, some interesting ideas and trying new things. 
But for the most part, in fact, in almost all cases, all that kind of information, that knowledge was hidden behind company walls. It wasn't being shared externally. So I set up the community just with that in mind, you know, to bring people together and kind of to share and to learn and to promote, you know, what's going on in Irish companies with, it, with the goal of being really that, you know, we can improve all of our services over the long term if we do that. So kind of learning from our mistakes, from our successes and from the challenges and all that kind of stuff and then just sharing it as a whole. So that's what the community is about and that's why we're here. And um, yeah, it's great to have so many people here and time and time again. So thank you for all your support. And of course, I wasn't nearly busy enough uh, with the, the community, with the business. So I went and set up a social enterprise as well uh, called Parkit. And the big, hairy, audacious goal with Parkit is to provide free resistance training to every county and community in Ireland. I think we're really good in Ireland when we do promote exercise. It's almost always um, a cardiovascular exercise that we promote, which is really important, of course. But equally as important, in my opinion, is resistance training. So with, with, with Parkit, I'm you know, removing the financial barriers, the sessions are totally free, and I'm removing, you know, there's a bit of a barrier as well, I think people have an assumption that uh, resistance or strength training is you know, lifting heavy weights in the gym. So all my sessions are bodyweight only, kind of light introductory sessions. So we're in five locations in Dublin at the moment, and always looking to grow. So when I bring it to your local park, uh, let me know, we can, we can chat about that. So more about the community then, so in the very first, uh, our very first meetup in, in September, I introduced some community values, or some values for the community that I kind of hoped we as a, as a group could adhere to. And I'm delighted to say, I want to say a big thank you to everybody that in every community meetup, in every interaction online, we really are living and breathing those values. So I just wanted to just you know, highlight them again, maybe if you're new. So the sharing word is in there again, without expecting anything in return. But I think you'll probably find you do actually get quite a lot in return. Have fun and respect everyone and make friends and not contacts. So thank you to everyone for really kind of following that and, and living and breathing that because it really makes the community what it is. So just a few quick updates. Um, since our last Dublin meetup, which was only in March, we've been to Mid Cork. We had a great event in Cork. It's trusted good me. Uh, so yeah, great turnout, lovely panel, uh, great discussion. We also went to, to Belfast, we had the Lord, the Lord Mayor of Belfast, gave a keynote, we had another great panel. And all of this was in partnership with Spectrum Life, who've been you know, really great supporters of the community. And they've just recently launched their software platform, and do, so do chat to the guys in the purple tops this evening and, and see what that's all about. And oh yeah, and since our last meetup as well, uh, I partnered with Dr. Sarah Jane Cullinan, and we ran our first, um, we, we kind of came together and created this um, eight-step framework for workplace wellness program development. But I think we kind of found ourselves in our dealings that you know, Irish companies with great intentions kind of jumped straight in to choose the initiatives where we found there's so many more steps you can do in advance of that to kind of build a sustainable program. So mainly targeted at HR, we had a great kind of first run there. Look at all those happy people. Uh, that was in a wonderful uh, the KVC Innovation Zone, so you know, a really great location. And so you know, really popular feedback has been fantastic. So we're definitely gonna do that again. We'll be doing that in, in September and October across two days. And we'll be getting it online as well, because the feedback I'm getting is that you know, some people can't make the dates or they can't make the location. So we're gonna get a version of that online as well. And just that, yeah, so that, that eight-step framework I mentioned, and it ties in very nicely with our panel tonight because the very first step, as you can see, is, is committed leadership. 
So that's how important you know, I feel committed leadership is to workplace wellness. So I'm really interested to hear our, our wonderful panel tonight and what they think about that as well. And just, we, we certainly won't be going through it all tonight, but it, as an FYI, there, there's the eight steps. And as you can see, it's, it's kind of step five that I see the, the very well-intentioned Irish companies just jumping straight in at. And it's just a real shot in the dark to you know, choose that, that class here and there or the talk. I just feel there's so much more groundwork that can be done by you know, securing that committed leadership, you know, getting the grassroots as your wellness champions, just listening to the needs and wants. Then step three of your employee base and what are they actually looking for? Because every organization is different and then kind of documenting that in your, your, your operation plan, your, you know, your roles, your responsibilities, budgets, timelines, all that kind of stuff. So it ties in very nicely with our theme this evening, which is the importance of committed leadership to workplace wellness. So I'm delighted to welcome our panel. We have Kate Moran of HubSpot. We have Jim Gavin of the Irish Aviation Authority. And we have Jennifer Grogan of the ESP. Would you like to join me? So as I always say at, at, at every event, so our panel, we're not saying that we're absolute experts in this area um, or we have all the answers, but we may have tried a few things at our workplaces. You know, some of them worked, we've lessons learned, and we're just going to kind of try and share some of those learnings with everyone this evening. Uh, so, and I, I've gone to the, um, the community, so thank you to everyone who came back to me with some questions. So I have a, kind of a list of most popular questions that I'll try and get, get through. But we'll certainly have uh, lots of time for Q&A as well. So please do raise your hand if you have a question. So can I start by asking you to maybe introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about wellness at your own workplace? Yeah, I'll start. So, yeah. Um, my name is Kate Moran. I'm the Culture Program Manager at HubSpot, it's a tech company in Dublin City Centre. Um, wellness in tech is really different, I suppose. I think there's an echo, I don't know whether I'll press down. Is my mic? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, so wellness for HubSpot is, is really different and I think the big thing for us is about listening to employees and trying to figure out what they want. Um, and it's really a bottom-up approach that we use. So, um, probably heard, I think tech companies try and do everything and anything um, and it's as far away from the pool tables and the free, you know, uh, beer and ping pong that we're trying to get. Um, so we're really trying to keep ahead of the curve at the moment and um, I'm looking forward to sharing some of the ideas and initiatives that we're working on at the moment with you. Cool, thank you. Uh, good evening everyone, uh, Jim Gavin is my name. Uh, I work here with the Irish Aviation Authority. I'm also the Dublin Football Senior Manager. That park life is a park. Park hit. Park hit. I need to get the, I think, <laughs> the lads on that. Yeah. I think it is the Dublin Football is a park hit. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. It's a really interesting program. So I work with the with the Irish Aviation Authority and you're in the in, in the main headquarters. I might take that mic off you. So I work with the with the Irish Aviation Authority and you're very welcome to our headquarters. Um, uh, on the Lear Street. So in the organization, the company, we've got 700 people. Um, and one of our, the main roles that we have here is that we provide uh, all of the on-route traffic, um, air traffic control for all the on-route traffic, which crosses over um, Irish airspace. So um, the air traffic controllers in my company would handle over 2 million flights uh, every, every year. Uh, we also manage the air traffic control at Dublin Airport, at Cork Airport and at Shannon Airport. 
Um, so it's a really, really high dynamic uh, sector. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at performance, high, high performance mm -hmm. uh, on, a con on a continuum every day. In Dublin Airport at its peak, you're looking at over 800 aircraft movements per day. Right. So it's a really uh, dynamic environment, and, uh, but it's all driven by humans. Yeah. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that yeah. uh, later on. Yeah. And then the other side of the company is the, that we have the safety regulation side. And in that part of the, of the organization, we have the safety oversight of all aspects of civil aviation in Ireland, in the state. So that's from ballooning uh, to, to gliders, to engineering, um, to crew licenses, all the way up to the, to the heavy airliners. So it's, um, it's a really interesting organization to work for, very dynamic. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to exploring that later on. In terms of wellness for the organization, um, we have Spectrum Life. So we're delighted to have the guys here in their purple tops uh, promoting um, uh, what they do for our organization. Um, so we have uh, conferences within the, um, on, on site at our, at our various locations, be it in, in Dublin or Cork or Shannon. Uh, we have um, uh, digital well-being uh, using online platforms. We have massages, which are really popular. Um, and even internally outside of that, uh, our director, Brendan Mulligan, who's here, and Claire, they would organize even fruit for the, for the staff, and we'd have gymnasiums in most of the locations as well. So it's very much a centre part of, of our business because we are a, a people-centric organisation. Uh, we need humans to guide our aircraft around the skies and to have the oversight of them. So um, maybe we'll explore that later on. Thanks, Good afternoon, everyone. Can I just check? Is this microphone works? Seems okay. It must have been mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Grogan is my name, and I'm here. Uh, I work in ESB, and I've been in ESB for six years. But I started in a kind of safety role, looking at safety culture, um, and I became very much aware that I suppose you can't keep yourself safe unless you look after your health and well-being, physically and mentally. So I've only worked in health and well-being just over a year now. But in terms of our organization, we're in, our, we're in Irish communities 91 years. So we're quite a, a long-standing organization and we have a workforce of over six and a half thousand. And generally that workforce um, started from say age 18 until retirement. So we're looking at high-risk industry um, from generating electricity to the transmission of electricity. Um, so it's very important that we look after our workforce. So we have a, do have a long kind of standing history of supporting health and well-being. And um, we're on our second strategy now. And we have a range of programs in place. Um, our organization is very much relationship-based. So it's kind of built on looking out not just for myself, but for each other. So that's what we try and build on. Um, and we've always kind of looked at the physical health of, of an employee, but mental health as well. So how we support the employee, we'll get an opportunity to discuss that over, over the year. Yeah. But um, I suppose we've looked at it in terms of not just putting in place um, seminars or talks, um, but building on that by putting in place layers of supports from wellbeing champions mm -hmm. to our own internal website, health and wellbeing website, to our own internal kind of publications. So we do use external service providers, but it's very much the only providers <coughs> internally with an internal health and wellbeing team. Great, thank you. Uh, for setting really sets the scene very nicely and we'll certainly dig a little deeper in all those, and especially with the wellness champions there, that, that's really interesting. 
Uh, so, so our theme for this evening is the committed leadership to workplace wellness. So can I ask, um, as I've mentioned, I believe it's a crucial step. Right? First of all, I suppose, would you agree? And uh, then if you do agree, um, do you have any examples of that maybe at your workplace? I mean, what does committed leadership look like at your workplace in the area of workplace, uh, workplace wellness? Any thoughts on that? I think from my own organisation, uh, very much it's driven from the top in that the support system is put in place internally. Um, it has never been kind of that add-on to a job. We do kind of have full-time health and wellbeing team members in place and we then look at getting leadership at different levels across the business. So traditionally it would lie with say HR or safety, depends on your organisation or environment. But what we try to do is kind of pepper it throughout the organisation. So it might sit kind of corporately, but then what kind of layers can an employee experience that the organisation cares for them? And how do they feel that? So the day-to-day -day kind of conversations and um, be it peer-to-peer -peer with your well-being champion um, or having your manager or supervisor ask you how you're feeling, you know, how's things going, whether that's in a formal kind of um, situation, a job chat or putting in place um, communication forms and using them as an opportunity to include health and well-being on the agenda. Okay. So that way you can get different kind of layers of leadership right. demonstrating their commitment yeah. um, and their actions are very important then as well yeah. around that. Yeah, from the, from the Irish Aviation Authority perspective, I suppose, you talk about leadership and for me, um, you know, leadership is all about influence. Um, I suppose us hosting this event this evening kind yeah. of is, is, is a manifestation of that. Like yeah. We have our Director of Human Resources here, we have the Director of Air Traffic Management, Billy Han, is here. Okay. Um, we've got Claire who runs the programme. So in terms of the, from the Aviation Authority's perspective, we're obviously heavy heavily involved as we understand from the from aviation and, and one of the paradoxes is that the reason aviation has has become so safe and particularly uh, how you can go on a flight and an aircraft that weighs 80 ton and has two tanks full of fuel and has engines that internal the internal combustion is at a thousand degrees Celsius. The reason you can have your coffee and your newspaper and feel very safe in that environment because it's a very it's a very hostile environment is that we have learned our lessons yeah. paradoxically and that's how it was met which which has made us stronger so the human factors is a very much a big part of 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 um, of human performance in aviation so examples of that would be in in, in our particular domain in the air traffic management would be that we'll be supporting that even that mindfulness piece of of meditation of giving sure. your know, staff the the, the the space to to be centered for a few moments in their in their busy lives to yoga classes yeah. um, so all these things even the stress management courses that i attend one day only a few weeks back yeah. seminars all these little touch points where people yeah. can feel that they can they can they can reach out to right. and indeed on top of that you know, we have obviously all the online support that that um that spectrum might give us yeah. as well so uh, we understand that you know humans make mistakes to human is to error that's and that's that's just a, f a fact of life and in aviation we've learned harsh lessons from that so it's our job um, as a leadership is trying to influence our staff and, and, and let, let make them understand that and help them okay. be, be the best version of themselves. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, 
definitely with what you're saying about flying is you have to def- you have to have this huge element of trust anytime you get on a plane and go on a holidays and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not the best flyer in the world so I know as soon as I step on board you kind of just have to believe that everyone has yeah. your best interests at heart um, but in terms of leadership buy-in and well-being I, I think that kind of connects to it as well so from definitely all levels across um, I have a small team of five, I lead an EMEA team, but I have a leadership role that I have to demonstrate and lead by example that it's really important to take time back and know when to switch off. And we're really focused on um, talking to people about energy levels and knowing when to take that break and when to switch off and recharge and renew. Um, so on every Friday I'll work from home and I'm very open about it. I'll go for breakfast with my parents on Friday morning. Um, have no problems kind of posting that on Instagram or whatever it is. Um, our MD in Dublin, Christian Kinnear, will leave every single day at half four. He's a dad, he's got a young family, and that's non-negotiable. Our CEO in the States, um, we offer a, a sabbatical for every five years. It's a paid sabbatical where you get 10,000 euros, you're told, take a month off and go and do something, learn something new, but make sure you rest and recharge before coming back to the workplace. So from all levels, whether you're a team manager, or you're an MD, or you're the CEO, I think it has to go the whole way down the line um, to be committed and to demonstrate that you really believe in well-being. Okay, thank you. I would, first thing I would say is if you're a bad flyer, I wouldn't look at that engine in the lobby. <laughs> all, the, all the parts in it. Um, you've actually kind of gone to my, my next question, which was around, um, you know, as leaders yourselves, do you feel it's important to model healthy behaviours? So I think you, you should probably already answer that one, Kate. Um, and I guess kind of follow on from that was, um, given your busy schedules with so much on, and families and other commitments, how do, you, how do you manage that, um, you know, given, given these commitments? So um, one of the things that I've done is I'm a global trainer for a thing called the Energy Project, which was developed by Tony Schwartz. Um, there's seven of us, we have nine offices globally, but we train people every quarter is our goal. Uh, it's not a cheap project by any means, um, but it's really important for us because what we found is through employee surveys, everyone kept asking questions about work and life balance, and now we're all talking about work and life blend, uh, when actually it's a matter of how do you manage your energy and how do you get the best at work and still have the best energy at home for the things that are really important to you. So in terms of managing schedules, um, we train our employees on how to really recognize when they're in different zones. So when you're in your performance zone, which is when you're at your best, and you might have 90 minutes of that, you probably know when people can, how long they can perform, they can't perform all day long or for eight hours because you'll just burn out. And it's common sense, but not common practice. So what we do is we teach people, know when you're at your best, recognize it, get your work done, and then renew, take a rest. Whether it's one minute, five, 10, listen to music, make a call, go for a walk. Um, whatever it is that gets you back to that place where you can start off again, great. But if you continue, then you're not gonna be at your maximum performance. Same for if you work the whole way through your day and you get home and I have a daughter at home, the last thing I wanna do is not have energy to spend with my family. Um, and not to be able to actually enjoy their company and just to be too tired first. So I think what we're doing is recognizing the importance of both and trying to teach people about that and yeah. what works for them. Okay. Yeah, it's a very good point because in, as human beings, we're very much influenced by what we see. Mm-hmm. So as an organization, you can have it written down that yeah. this is the way we do things, but in reality, if it's not, 
and you can see people staying at their desks, you know, or sending emails after work or making phone calls or even little things like organizing a meeting during a lunch or a rest break. Mm. Um, so it's, it's ensuring that those people across the organization um, are aware of how they can influence others for yeah. a positive effect. Yeah. And knowing what those behaviours are and being supportive with the training and awareness around that. So that's the kind of layer um, to have that kind of healthy culture yeah. that you train, you know, and support those in leadership positions or management team member, team leads, um, and understanding that and knowing how to, to be a good role model for their team and support their team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts, Jim? Um, I suppose, yeah, from, from, from my perspective, uh, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work in an industry that I'm very passionate about uh, yeah. um, in aviation. So I have been for 29 years now. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in, in the sporting context, my hobby outside of my profession is the Dublin football team. Mm -hmm. And I see it as that. It's my it's, hobby as well. It's your hobby too. <laughs> good, good. Are you enjoying the, the journey? Yeah. Right. Um, but I, that's what I see it. I, I, I've, I've um, like, there's no in the Dublin football team. There's no contracts. It's a choice that I make. Yeah. Our lives are decided. It's decided by the, yeah. by the choices that we make. Um, so I, I, I've made the choice to, to be involved. Um, but as we tell our football players, it's it, we if we tell them they have a couple of glass balls, and the one that can't break, I suppose, is their profession, their academics. That's a glass ball. If you drop, you know, it might crack. Or your your relationships. Right. with family and friends, that could crack as well if it drop. But the one that will always bounce back would be your sport. Because yeah. we don't, I don't live, I don't get, I don't live by it. It doesn't yeah. provide food on the table, for example. So sure. um, we always put things in context for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that really kind of does keep them grounded. And, and we, we do it then for the right reasons, because there is no there is no performance pay in sport, um, yeah. as in the financial performance, sure. performance pay. But there is in terms of the, the self-actualization of being the best version of yourself, representing something that's hard yourself. Yeah. And that's um, that mastery and autonomy and sense of purpose is something that you're always trying to strive to get with. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I think it's like Daniel Pink mentions that in his, yep. his drive book, uh, the, the mastery, autonomy and purpose being the real drivers for motivation 3.0. Oh, it is. It's all, it, yeah. Yeah. it's all about the why. Yeah, it's all about exactly. Yeah. Fantastic, what a great role here. Now I have lots of questions and there may be some questions in the audience. I think the old five in a row questions may be off the table, but if there's any other questions, we're certainly happy to uh, take them. Yeah, Seamus? Yeah, try our best. Thanks for the panel. As you were speaking, I was just thinking about leadership and the definition of leadership. Um, and you might have very committed wellness leaders in a corporation or a business, any, any smaller, medium, large business. Um, but unless you've got business leaders who are committed as well, I think that's the key, I suppose, when you talk about leadership. It's around the ROI, the investment, and the business leaders who ultimately drive the decisions. So you could have a very, very committed wellness leader who's very committed to programs, but unless you've got the, the executive level of leadership. Is that something you could comment on, or something you've experienced where you as committed wellness leaders are committed to running programs, but may not necessarily have support of the business leaders. Yeah. But it's a great question. It's on our list, actually. It's kind of maybe how do you, how do you sell wellness to the senior leadership team? 
Any thoughts on that? I think it's a great observation because without um, kind of leadership at the top being bought into it, where's your strategy to drive it? What are you going to measure? What objectives are you setting to hold people accountable? How do you reward it, recognise it, reinforce it? Um, those good, healthy behaviours. So ways I can see in terms of strong leadership in my in ESB, the organisation I work in, is, is it being driven from strategy and the values of our organisation that we're caring and connecting to the why. Why do we look out for each other? Why is it important that we care for each other? Okay, we understand there's, you know, um, in terms of job design or roles, but just down to your basic um, sense of community and relationships. It's to look out for each other uh, and to protect those relationships. So I see the commitment there from strategy, but also allowing people to attend talks, um, to, to provide the training, to step people down from their jobs for a day, to be, be kind of taken off the job and to have time to reflect on health and well-being and to hear about best practice or and um, to, to get some tangible, practical information. Um, I think that's a very good, tangible way to show that leadership is bought in. If senior managers um, have put aside the budget, have the strategy, and then release their staff. Um, but also the policies and procedures as well. I know you mentioned kind of flexible working um, or how to show respect and dignity in the workplace or bringing your full self to work. Um, so kind of tying those dots together that it's, it's for the, the benefit, whose benefit is it for? It's not just the business line, the bottom line, but the employees as well. And that's kind of working together, you know, mutual benefit. Yeah, um, in, in the aviation sector, it's, it's, it's in some ways it's an emerging um, uh, uh, domain, uh, the, the whole wellness piece. I, I can speak from the Irish Aviation Authority perspective. Um, as, as I've mentioned, we're, we're, there's, there's strong, it's strongly advocated at, at senior management level. Um, a few weeks back, we would have hosted um, a conference here, a wellness conference run by Aviofit. And uh, see Valentina, I think it was uh, Valentina, uh, Valentina Avio Fit, um, but like this, this your organisation. Yeah. We, we we just hosted the event, and um, we had um, a lot of the industry players were there. We had um, uh, from the Faculty of Psychology from Trinity College. You see Captain Paul Cullen. You see Paul later on today. So Paul is um, Paul Paul is an Erlingus captain on the H three thirty, and he's done a lot of research on wellness for. The, in the pilot space, and pilot, as, in, as in airline pilots, um, uh, and to, to see the effects of or lack of wellness programs that for, for crews, um, we, all, we, we would always do root cause analysis on, a, on a, an aviation incident, and always on an accident to see the primary root cause, the why, um, so we can learn the, the factors that cause that incident. And look, we don't apportion blame liability. We do have a just culture in aviation where, by law, you have to report your mistakes, which, which is unique in any industry, I would imagine. Certainly in the transport industry, it's unique. And there, as a regulator, we support that, that confidentiality between the operators and, and, uh, and the safety manager systems within those organisations. So we promote, advocate, uh, people to report their mistakes. They have to do by law anyway, uh, European law. But when we look at an interaction, we're not really interested in the blame game. We're interested in the why. Why did it happen? And, and from that root cause, then uh, a lot of the time we'll see it might be due to fatigue, 
and with the research that Paul was trying to do, is look at the layer beneath that. Well, what gave us the fatigue? Was there other factors which might be just sleep? It might be relationship issues, financial issues that are causing stress amongst flight crews. Really, really interesting um, research that he's doing. It's probably, it's, I'm going to say, it's, maybe it's in its infancy because the regulation doesn't support it yet. Um, but certainly, we're on the first steps towards that. And if it's interesting, Matthew Syed's book, uh, Black Box Thinking, yep. he speaks very highly of the airline industry and the way you, know, you learn you learn from mistakes blame isn't apportioned and that's how significant improvements have happened over the years. Yeah, well essentially to put it in a nutshell, in, in the aviation sector we embrace vulnerability. We love yeah. we we, we, want to, we want to dig into incidents, we want to dig into accidents, learn the root cause, get the word out why it happened so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Uh, if I crash a car on the M50, yeah the Garcia Connor will do a little bit of research and but the insurance companies will pay off and that's it we move on so we know uh, that wouldn't happen in an aviation in an aviation incident that's for sure he's got a captain hi captain it's the crashing of Mental Health Services, um, which is up by Houston Station. I'm no means a mental health expert, but I think people talk about one in four having a mental health difficulty, um, when actually everybody has mental health, and you're right, we all have to look after our own and know how to do that. Um, but back to your question about leadership buy-in, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is and it's not, well, it may not be an obvious question, but most people get their best ideas. It's not at home, it's usually in the shower, when you're driving, when you're walking, when you're on holidays, lying down, when you're taking a break. And for our most senior level or our executive or our CEOs, I think they know that. And they sort of say, well, to continue to innovate and to grow better and to help, our mission is to help millions of organizations to grow better is that we actually have to encourage people to recognize that they can't sort of be in that big picture mode unless they take that time to themselves and in case until they can sort of be a little bit more tactical in their approach and doing that um, and knowing how to sort of be in the different zones as well. Um, and then obviously your attrition and 
you know, employee retention and recruiting costs. So there's costs associated with if you don't invest in your employee wellness, if they burn out and if they have no time to rest or, or take time back to themselves, they're going to leave. And your reputation as an employer will be damaged because you, you'll be seen not to care about your employees. Um, Sorry, is the answer and I think that's what people are here to probably learn what they can do or how they can um, bring new initiatives to their workplace so a good example maybe that might be possible in other workplaces is we run programs for our managers on psychological safety where as a team manager whether you have a team of five or you have a team of 100 um, you are the person that's responsible for instilling that on your team and it's really about being vulnerable letting your own guard down making it okay for other people to say actually really not having a good day and there, most organizations probably aren't there yet um, and it's a huge obstacle I think people have to overcome but I think anyone who's here is probably wondering where to start. Yeah, which we need to also what Jennifer said we're starting and we were saying about the company is a huge resource it's a large yeah. company it's a great that a company with a lot of staff uh, to have a day off so that means that the company will be able to time off for learning, statement it was a uh, not an actual day off it was a day off the job to to learn about organizational developments um, health and well-being and um, have a talk or a seminar um, and also just to be together and you know um, so and you mentioned as well uh, like financial loss for the organization I would see that as a gain and it's 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 it's, it's changing that language that it, you're not pumping money into something that is a loss but you're enriching people's resilience and their ability to be creative, to notice risk, uh, to communicate with each other, to adapt, respond, to be creative. And um, so it's even just reframing the way people um, perhaps traditionally see um, what is valuable and explaining the, back to explaining the why. What, what's in it for the business? What's in it for the, the different employee, you know? Um, and yet we're all at different, different degrees of readiness or openness to that, but um, it's understanding how can it benefit the organization, the, the work. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
way of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So and you made a good point though, it depends on your organisation, so if it is a smaller organisation, it's what's look, it, look at it, what works for you. So there's no kind mm -hmm. of... Um, there, there's no uh, exact formula. Mo it's, model that you can just apply. And every company is different, mm -hmm. it depends on the company, it depends on the organisation, it depends on the people within that organisation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some really interesting points, some really great discussion. Okay, we'll get going guys. Um, we'll allow a bit of time at the end for, for, for more chatting and one-to-ones and conversations. And if anyone wants a photo as well, I will be hanging around at the end. So uh, you are uh, absolutely no problem there. Okay, so just a question kind of that came up there uh, during the break is um, there's a lot of people in the room that maybe are starting out or maybe thinking of starting out with some kind of wellness initiatives at their workplace. So I guess the question for the panel is, do you have any advice on them as, as they start out? Maybe where, where could they start? Um, I wonder when you mention well, wellness initiatives, do you mean like uh, kind of programs or learnings or seminars or talks? I, I'd say the question is maybe you know, anything like that. Where, where would you yeah. start there? Yeah, do you start with a one-off initiative? Do you start with a full-blown program? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think um, a good starting point is to look at data that you have. Yeah. Kind of um, what what are people experiencing? Um, you know, in terms of their physical or mental health. So that would be a good starting point, and also maybe even surveying or having focus groups, uh, getting people together so that they're engaged and they have a voice in the process and they understand um, that you're buy-in and you're looking for their buy-in as well. And that might provide an opportunity then to identify advocates on the ground because it's very um, powerful when you have peer-to-peer -peer kind of encouragement for healthy behaviours or practices at work. You know, you get that kind of buy-in and um, so that, that would be my suggestion, you know, ask and, and look ask. at that. Okay. What do you need? Yeah. Gather meaningful data. Yeah. yeah. And don't just pick something off the shelf. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good, uh, really good question. Um, as was discussed earlier on about the leadership group yeah. and organisation, obviously they need to be influenced. Yeah. Um, and somebody needs to, needs to sell the story to them. But I'd agree with it in terms of surveys. Um, trying to survey the, the employees and get their thoughts on health and well-being and how does that impact their human performance because that's what the, the leadership group will you know will want to understand of, of, if they're going to invest time and, and finance in, into into a problem such as this what what, what will, will the return be very interesting survey from um or data from i think it was general electrics um they've got one big wellness problems in, in, in north america but four of their five employees would, would um said that their general health and their well-being impacted their performance. Something as simple as that survey yeah. that's designed to get those questions would influence, yeah. obviously, the leadership yeah. group in your organisation that would hopefully then um, uh, bring, bring some type of a wellness program into, into that company. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely, if you have nothing, um, you're not mind readers, so you can't tell people what they want, you have to ask, it has to be through a survey, uh, but I'd go a step further, so what we do is we do quarterly surveys so that people haven't got this thing called survey fatigue where you're asking yeah. everything all the time, um, but what we do is whether 
we ask everyone, uh, you know, would you refer a friend to work here? If so, why or why not? Uh, we ask them how they feel their career growth is going and we ask them in general comments they have for leaders. Um, and that's a sort of open, it's an open door to say whatever you want. And then what we do is we publish everyone's answers. So if you are having a horrendous day and you decided you hate to work at HubSpot and you don't like it for all of these reasons, we'll publish it. Um, but it's up to other people to try and actually put that into context and see whether or not it's correct or not. Uh, we'll trend it out and see well how many people are talking about this one thing. Um, is it that you find you have to stay back until 7 o'clock every evening and how many people are saying that? How many people are talking about being burnt out or not having time? Um, and I think when you do that and you're, you sort of bring this idea of transparency into your company where you can say, okay, we asked you, you gave us the answers, we heard you because here's, here it is for everybody and give us time, we're going to build an action plan. Here are the big things that we heard you say and the rest we will come to in time. So even if you can choose three uh, or your top three priorities, that's what tends to work for us because you can't solve everything, it's impossible. Um, generally, work-life balance will always come up. Uh, Cross-team collaboration is something that will always come up. You don't know how to interact with other teams or organizations growing, how can you help us do this? Um, and then the other piece is flexibility. So if you say that you offer flexibility and if it doesn't actually translate the whole way down, uh, you'll hear about it. So you have to, if you say you're going to do something, uh, you really have to stand behind it or else people are going to say, well, you said you were going to do it, but actually you didn't really mean what you said. Now we don't believe you anymore. Um, so that's a, that's a huge thing for us. And we, I think we did a survey globally um, and it came out that employees cared more about flexibility and having that little bit of freedom than compensation, which is huge because the tech company is so competitive in terms of salaries. But if you can't say to people, we'll let you do your school run or we'll let you get home early or we'll offer extra holidays or whatever it is, then there's no point you can pay people what you want and they won't stay. I want to give a quote by Richard Branson. I don't know, somebody might help me with this one, but he said, train people that they are ready to leave, but treat them that they want to stay. Oh, yeah. That kind of yeah. Very encapsulates all of that, too. Yeah. 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 And the flexibility, I'm seeing that uh, time and time again now. I mean, it's not just about the pay packet anymore. It's, you know, flexible mm. working environments yeah. are so important. And that's where, of course, where the, the, the culture at that, that workplace is so important. I, I've certainly come across the, the HubSpot culture code. I think it's reasonably famous, but I wouldn't say everyone here has, has heard about the culture code or knows about it. Would you maybe tell us a little bit about, about that, the culture code? Yeah, it's probably one of those things that people will say, you know, that's great, but we can't really all do it in our own organizations, yeah. and that's fine. <laughs> um, and so it, it operates, I suppose, on the, the ideas of transparency, trust, autonomy. We have a really flat sort of... Um, Hierarchy, so there's no like I've worked in really corporate organizations before where it takes six months to a year to work on a project and you have to put it through all these different levels and it's not for me. Um to going to a company where you're sort of trusted to make the right decision and there's this massive thing where everyone is told, You're employed because we believe you're you're really good at what you do and that you have good judgment in the decisions that you make. If you make if you make a bad one learn from your mistakes and move on and you're sort of allowed to do that which is great um, but the the cheesy part of those of our culture code is this idea of um, they say you know we expect all employees to live by heart uh, which sounds very American and it is um, but it, it's an acronym for you know we expect you to be humble we expect you to be 
um, empathetic so it was effective and then we changed it to empathetic so that if a parent is at home or their child is sick that you're not like oh I can't believe Kate didn't come in today you know or she's left us with this extra workload or so and so arrived in and is tired because they were up all night and it really sort of builds that um, trust on teams um, adaptable is that you can adapt to different situations that you know I suppose when when you work best or when you don't um, remarkable is that you're willing to try and do stuff that people haven't and that you have this curiosity to try it and then transparency is that literally we share everything from executive board meetings down to like survey feedback good bad ugly um, obviously we won't name people if someone is giving out you know we're not gonna I think put in I hate Kate Moore and, and publish that to a whole company but um, I think we take reasonable steps to protect people in that respect, but everything else is out there and it, it works. Yeah. Um, it sounds strange, but it does. So I, I don't know if there's anything in that you can take. And is it, am I right in saying it's, it's a living, breathing document, the, the, the code itself? It's like 127 slides and it's, it's freely available online for anyone yeah, to, so it, to have a look at. Yeah. It's online, uh, it's sort of ever changing. It's not this set in stone document. We sort of look at things and we think, right, okay, we have to move on or we have to change this piece or whatever it is. But I think it has about 4 million views at the moment. And a lot of companies, if they're trying to build out their own like set of shared beliefs or values they'll go to this and they'll say okay well that makes sense for us that doesn't mm -hmm. we can take this yeah. piece and i think there's something you can take out of it yeah definitely absolutely yeah yeah cool. any questions for the panel interest groups and employee resource groups and the one thing that we do is we ask them to pick one goal that they're working towards a quarter so that it's not over ambitious that you're not asking people to do 
uh, something every month and then they lose track because they're busy. So if they're all working together to one thing that they say is really important to them, then that should make a difference. So whether it's, I don't know, whether you have healthy snacks in your office and maybe they want to have a look at that or change it out or maybe they want to bring fruit in or maybe they want to... Uh -huh. I think we have a lot of that's probably the thing. What really matters to them? Hmm? What's the one thing that really matters to them? I think because they're all very different, there is like um, one of the things we work down to facilities, so it's not the importance that's kicked off. Um, changing rooms and showers, which we believe that we do not have to do, that's being established. But the healthy food is probably one, but the mental health is huge. But you know, they don't feel like they're experts in mental health or visually responsible. Um, so maybe an answer to my question is maybe assigning each of them one goal that they want to. If you can get through a year and if every quarter they can say they achieved four big things, then they'll feel a real sense of purpose, I think. Um, Do you terms, want to comment on the champions? Our organisation, so it's a bit different in that it's dispersed with about 70 locations. But um, when we established our champions, um, that kind of happened to us a bit in that, okay, they're all ready to go now and um, their role was to kind of tie the corporate message and communications down on the ground, peer to peer, and communicate it out. Um, but we wanted to build on that role. And I think, Kate, you've made a great point. Um, for any of us, it's having clear clarity on what are we meant to do, and then getting feedback on that and recognition. So I think we built in that recognition and feedback for our champions and kind of a bit of autonomy. Um, by giving them, say, seed money. So corporately, we kind of set initiatives or actions, mm -hmm. um, but locally, a champion can decide what they want to run with in their location uh, to promote health and wellbeing. And they get seed money of, say, 250 euros. Um, and that's the Elevation Awards. So all our champions can kind of um, apply for that, put in their proposal, uh, that's reviewed, and if agreed, they, they run that locally and they get that kind of recognition and feedback from their peers and that kind of sense of ownership that um, there might be an overall strategy but they can kind of still decide what do we want ourselves and, and decide on that. And then kind of bring them together about twice a year and it's it, communication is so important because we were undergoing organisational change and new strategy and it's to let them understand what it is, what's the change and how they can help that change happen. What's their role? Where do they fit in? And then we would have kind of um, talks and seminars so they're upskilling themselves because there's nothing worse than being in a role and not feeling that you have the skill set for it. So you do have to equip your champions or whatever it is they're, they're called with the skills to then do their role as well. So it's getting that balance. So that's a few things. The skills, the autonomy, like that feeling that they can decide what is relevant to them and getting feedback is very important that they know they're doing well. So building in those recognition structures and um, whether it's a letter from the, the, the top leader, manager in the organization saying well done, what you're doing is extremely important because blah blah and um, but letting them know that they are valued. Um, I, I do think the individual, yeah you have to give individual people like employees skills and knowledge and awareness um, but you have to take a layer approach, so it's the individual, but then it's the job they're doing. 
So how that's designed, can they get the job done in the eight hours? Um, so it's looking at job factors and feedback and, and, and those kind of things. But then it's looking at um, the leadership or managers and their skill set to support teams. Do they have the skills to um, support team members and to motivate them and encourage them and create that healthy kind of workplace? And then it's the environment that you actually work in. So even basics, lighting, heating, access to fresh air, green areas, yeah. um, where can you mentally switch off? So it's looking at all those different factors at play. It is a really good point that, that, that Billy has made on going yeah. the environment. He's helped people, from my perspective, from a sporting perspective, yeah. how people behave, it's, it's, the, it's the culture. What influences that is the culture, the environment and the value set that's in that sporting organization that's in that, that aviation organization yeah. and whether a flight a flight crew member turns up for a flight or an engineer turns up to work in an aircraft and if he feels that the organization will support them and you know what, I'm actually not I'm stressed today I'm not I'm not fit to fly yeah. I'm not fit to work that aircraft I'm not fit to do my traffic control and that I can actually step away from it and be supported by the company because there's an environment there that, that allows me to do that. But I think until that happens I think People won't step into that space and they'll just get on and do their job as they have always done. Because it's the norm. Because it's the norm. We were speaking about normalization yeah. of deviations yeah. earlier on. That, that's, that's just accepted as, as the norm. Yeah. 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 And, and Billy, you're, you're right. Their education is a very important step in that. And it's great to see there are some uh, really um, positive programs emerging. And I think Claire from the way has gone through the mental health first aid. Through, through Spectrum Life, which is a really wonderful program. And then there's the, the St. John of God's uh, uh, Mental Health First Aid as well. They really are excellent programs. And uh, I think uh, there's another uh, charity partner called Suicide or Survive. And they work with, let's say, for example, uh, Sky Ireland. And they had a really interesting um, case study there where they, they went through, they, they educated the entire management team uh, all the way through to the employee base as well. Now, it was, it was, a, it was a year or so of a program and it's ongoing. But the result of that was uh, a significant increase in the amount of employees engaging with, say, EAP programs. It's quite often there's a bit of a stigma around that, like as you mentioned, putting your hand up and saying, look, I'm not feeling okay. What they also had in, have in Sky Ireland now, which I think is, is really great, they have um, a how do I guide. So let's say it could be a how do I guide for you know, requesting a password for a system or requesting a new dining card. But they also have a how do I guide uh, how do I start a conversation on mental health? So it's, it's there, if you're a new, new employee, you see this uh, document there, you know what to do, you know how to have the conversation, and maybe it's, and then there's other people then that are trained up to, to listen and how to listen and how to ask the right questions. So slowly but surely we are getting there, but those kind of programs are really important and I see great, uh, great value in those, in, in that education piece. So it, it is happening, but it's, it's not everywhere yet. Um, if I can yeah. add as well, we have, uh, obviously I think most companies will have an EAP service, but what we only found out I think this month was that while everyone has an EAP service, not everybody really understands what it means. So everybody thinks it's just a confidential listening yeah. service and you hand over a number and someone calls. But I don't think they understand the partnerships are in place, so whether it's a partnership with somebody who has, uh, who needs specific support for a mental health a difficulty that they're going through or potentially a loss that they've had. There's very different sort of tangents that it goes to. Um, what we've decided to do and what we actually haven't done well is that we haven't educated our employees 
and what that means, the degrees that it goes to. And we haven't educated our managers yet on how to spot the warning signs, how to bring it up, how to actually know and explain what it is and what degrees it goes to. And until you really know what you're going to offer, you can't expect people to disclose or to expect you to help them if you're not actually equipped to do that yet. So that's that's one of the things we're working on to get better at, but it's something that was a big red flag that we had no idea. Uh, we really didn't understand well enough. It's one thing having yeah. it, and it's another not really understanding it. I'm conscious of time, guys. Uh, we could really be here all night, but I think um, I'd love to leave a bit of time at the end for everyone to, to hang around and have a chat. So will, will we take one more question? Yep. Thanks very much, guys, for joining us so far. Um, one little question in terms of practical uh, experience or, or insights you might have. Uh, I'd say it's probably fair to say, speaking to the converted here, at least to be open-minded. What do you do in an organisation where, particularly in SME, where you have somebody who thinks this is just all over rubbish and it's just something that's there for people to stop, you know, not do their work properly or, you know, like you say, look at all the, give them a day off for this or a day off for that. And sometimes these people can be very influential in the organisation, so they become like human roadblocks uh, in terms of rolling out a strategy like that. I mean, have you experienced that and have you uh, overcome it? I'm a big fan of talking people into letting you run pilots. Because mm -hmm. um, they generally can't say no because you're asking them, can you test something instead of change something? So if you can find a little loophole and appeal to, I suppose, what they're looking for, which is probably your bottom line, and uh, whether people will work harder and, I suppose, progress or innovate or make the company more money. So if you can use that as an example and pilot something and prove that it works, then you've got your case to actually change something. Um, that would be my way of doing that. I, I would say you need to consider three driving forces there. You need to consider business performance, always. We're talking about businesses here. You need to consider the organizational values, and you also need to consider the values of the leadership team. And how can you use those three to develop a value story and turn it into a business case that makes sense? And we've already mentioned about gathering data. What data do you already have? What data can you gather to get that into a format that's appealing and that can help sell your, your program to that, that roadblock and try and remove that block? We do one more question, but one more question. Why? Well, maybe. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming the kind of companies you work with. So the company I work with, which is Irish Distillers, we have about 700 employees in six different sites. We've been running a wellbeing program for probably about 12 months now. And we're at that stage of sitting back really and I suppose taking some learnings from that and seeing how we move forward. But one of the biggest challenges we have is the fact that it's multi-sites and our demographics vary massively depending on the sites. So how do you approach challenges of rolling out your wellbeing programs, your wellbeing initiatives to people where wellbeing means different things to each of them um, and to where the pressures they feel within the business will be quite different from side to side as well? I think um, a good approach, because we'd have to say um, multiple work sites, a good approach is like ensuring that you're meeting the basic building blocks of what 
constitutes good health and well-being. Whether it's a good night's sleep, so understanding sleep, um, understanding nutrition, um, or the physical aspect or the mental aspect of supporting your mental health, and then providing a kind of blended approach. Uh, so what we would do would be, say, classroom, your typical classroom talks or seminars. Um, but then we'd complement that with we have a digital online tool called Power. And so you can access Power 24-7 in your own time. And you can do self-assessments, get action plans, do e-learning modules on all those elements of well-being. Um, or you can do the kind of drop-in kind of talk seminar. So be physically present. So that way you're meeting needs of different ages because some people like technology, some won't touch it. Um, but also if you shift work um, or remote workers, you know, it's, it's ensuring that you're providing something, an offering that a number of people can, can kind of choose from, you know, and that it's accessible Choice, yeah. to your, your greater mass, so to speak, rather than this is the one thing we're going to do, yeah. one size fits all, if you can't turn up on the day, well, sorry, you know, so it's, it's making sure that we're meeting everyone's needs as best as we can. And imagine that's where your wellness champions can come in because you can have maybe different roles represented there are different sites and they will have different needs and wants you know the, the gym and head office won't be much use to the to the sales team in, in Munster for example yeah. yeah yeah but then say we would have offices that they might do yoga get in a pilates a yoga yeah. instructor and do it in a room that's it's not a gym it's not kind of set mm. up like a gym but yeah. it's making the most of what you have to hand so it doesn't have to be a big cost or taking people off site. It's getting people to be creative and think, what do we need and how do we make that happen and work here? Yeah. And get people on the ground to do that and not to be kind of um, the diktat from kind of head office or, do you know that way? Mm -hmm. That it's not controlled just centrally, that it's supported locally. Okay. Well, thanks. So I think maybe we'll wrap up um, and try and leave a bit of time for, for chatting afterwards. Would you like any, any final comments from our panel before we finish up? Stunned, <laughs> <laughs> you've just had such well, a... Well, I, I think probably the, you, you're talking about business performance. I think yeah. that the selling point of, of wellness is that you do get, from my observations, you do get discretionary, discretionary effort. People will go above and beyond the call, that if there's a bit of give and take and people are allowed to, you know, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that self-actualization at the, at the apex of it, yeah. that value where, where people feel respected and feel empowered. Yeah. If you empower people to be their best, you, know, you, you, you will get it. You will definitely get a return. Sense of purpose, yeah, yeah. 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 Fantastic. Any final comments? Yeah, just, I probably mentioned it already, but in terms of if you are only beginning, um, think of the whole kind of workplace, uh, the environment you create, the jobs, the tasks that people do, the systems or processes to recognize them and to ensure that's done in a safe and healthy manner and also include the individual's kind of skill sets that you're ensuring that they're empowered to look after themselves but that the workplace supports that as well so it's, it complements it my only last would be um try and try and find out the one thing that really matters to your employees and test something try a pilot you've nothing really to lose except it didn't work 
Um, ask for a really small budget if you need one. You, you don't always need a budget to do things. Um, I think one of the things that's really clear is our companies are so different as well. It's very different asking someone in a tech company mm -hmm. to be really open about a mental health difficulty to asking a pilot to disclose that he or she is, is going through a really tough time. Um, so I think we're at completely different stages and that's, that's the real challenge. Um, but if you can, if your employees can really genuinely believe that you care about them and if they trust you, then you're sort of halfway there. Um, that's cool, brilliant, great point to finish. Thank you for that. And just a few thank yous then. So big thanks to our amazing hosts, to, to Claire, to Brendan and Jim and everybody at the Irish Aviation Authority for hosting us in this, in this wonderful location. Our amazing panel, thank you for the contribution this evening, for giving up your time. Thank you for that. Um, thanks to Clifford, Clifford Productions on the video, and um, Annalise and Jeff for supporting me tonight as well. And of course, big thanks to every single one of you for coming along. You really make the community, so thanks for your continued support. Hi everyone, Brian here again. Big thank you for listening right to the end of this episode of the WorkWell podcast. This podcast was brought to you by our partners, Irish Life Health and AJ Products. Original music that you're hearing right now was composed by my good friend, Greg Clifford. Check out the website, workwellpodcast.com, where you can access show notes for each episode, and there's plenty of other great content there too. If you'd like to support the continued production of this podcast, you can donate through the website too. I would love if you could head over to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's really appreciated. If you like what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends so they too can discover and benefit from the content. Finally, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show, email me directly brian at workwellpodcast.com. Remember to work well, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.